very much, Mark. Thank you, Lord. Let us pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence in our midst, Lord. And I thank you for the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that your presence continues in our midst and your word, which is spirit and life, bears fruit in our lives, Lord, in a great measure, Lord Jesus. And each of us be touched by your word. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. I, uh, uh, I think sometime back I had spoken on church in Smyrna and church in Philadelphia. I think I had mentioned once that uh, I had said that Jesus never refers to himself as Jesus anywhere in the book of Revelation. Uh, but he gives himself titles wherever he has explained himself or brings himself out. So a couple of weeks later, Amit does come up to me and says, Savio, I think I found one place where Jesus mentions his name. So I was uh, a little too shocked, but I was happy that somebody actually checked and found that out. I went back and I saw it. At the end, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to reveal this. So I said, Amit, I stand corrected. Thank you very much for telling me this. And at the beginning of Revelation, Jesus says, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I must say that those are those one or two places that you would see that. I am happy that he brought it out to my notice and I stand corrected. So except for those one or two places, but overall you'll always see Jesus being referred to as with his titles. Okay. So I want you to look at it that way. Please check the word. Whatever I share is not gospel truth. It has to be checked with the word of God. Amen. You agree with that? Yes, please do that. Thank you. And I must thank Amit for actually taking the trouble and doing that for me. Bless the Lord. Bless uh, Amit. <laughs> okay. Today uh, I will be speaking on a, a very nice topic. It's one of my favorite sermons. It's one of my favorite sermons. I really love this sermon. Uh, I, I don't take any credit for it. I've, uh, it's, uh, I've taken it directly from David Pawson, but uh, I've really been blessed by this. And that's what I'll be sharing with you today. Okay. Uh, you can if you want turn to your Bibles. Otherwise I will read it out from here. Uh, Matthew chapter 20 verse 1 to 16 is where I'm reading it out from and you can hear this very nicely for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and send them into his vineyard about 9 in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing he said he told them you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right so they went He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last 
the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. What a shocking story, isn't it? It's a strange story. And Jesus told this story. (laughs) I have never understood this story. And I'm not sure how many of you have ever understood this story. But let me take you through some examples. Uh, In the UK, there are predominantly two dominant political parties. One is the Conservatives and the other one is the Labour Party. So before they have their elections, they have this manifesto being built up as to what they will do. And during that time, they have a service in church. And one of the preachers came for the left party, left side of the party, and which is more socialist in nature. And he preached from the same passage. And he says, I can prove from this passage that Jesus was a socialist. He was a left. He said, um, he promised minimum wages to everybody. Okay? That, that was there. He, was, he ensured that everybody got the minimum wages. So, you know, if Jesus was here today, he would vote for our party. Uh, the problem was in the same year the right side of the party had their manifesto discussion and they had a service in church too and the preacher came there and he preached from the same passage and he said I can prove to you from this that Jesus was a capitalist so everybody asked how come he says there is hire and fire at will there are no unions out here And I must tell you, there is nobody's interference from outside. No government intervention. So Jesus was a capitalist. Uh, Sadly, both the preachers were wrong. That's not the way that the word of God is. And that's the mistake many of us make in our lives. We take what we like out of the word and we try to fit it to our circumstances. But that's not the way it is. We need to align our lives to the scripture. Amen? So that's the way that it is. Now, if I must say, how many businessmen out here? Any businessmen? You can raise your hand. Feel free. I'm not taking your money. (laughs) Okay. That's wonderful. (laughs) How nice to have businessmen. If this parable applies to your business, your workers come in at 5 in the evening and say, pay me the whole day's work. How would you like it? Would it be fair or unfair? You would like it? No, you wouldn't like it. Be honest. Would you like it, sir? You wouldn't like it. So, if Jesus... Look at Jesus. The way he's telling this parable, if it is about industrial relations, then you know what? The next day morning, sir, if you go out to look out for people, he will not find anybody at 6 in the morning. He won't find anybody at 9 in the morning. He won't find them at 12 in the afternoon. Neither at 3 in the afternoon. But there will be a long queue of workers at 5 in the evening, working for one hour for him and saying, pay me for the whole day. Isn't it? If you go by that parable. So somewhere Jesus seems to have made some sort of a mistake. Looks like, I don't know, but let's go ahead and see. The problem that Jesus has out here is, he's, the way he's told the story is, um, he doesn't seem to have any HR skills. Any HR people out here? You can raise your hands. I'm not going to point any mistakes of anybody. Okay, how nice. So everybody knows, if you want to pay somebody off properly, Get the troublemakers out of the picture. Correct? Jesus does just the opposite. He says, pay the last ones first. 
then the first ones will still come, na? Actually, Jesus should have said the reverse. They are the troublemakers. Pay them first, get them out of the way. And then you pay the others, so there will be no problem. But Jesus does just the opposite. So is this about uh, industrial relations? Is this about labor relations? Is this about being a capitalist? Is this being about a socialist? I am not too sure. Is it so? Any idea? Now let us look at it this way. The word of God is not only meant to change our thinking, but is also meant to change our feelings. Isn't it? That's what the word of God does. Now, let's put ourselves in this parable. The front row people have come in, or let's put it this way. This row came in at 6 o'clock. Okay? This row came in at 9 o'clock. This row at 12 o'clock. <laughs> this row at 3 o'clock. And all of you on the balcony at 5 o'clock. Okay? Let's assume that it is something like that. At the end of the day, how would you like, or rather, how would you like if they are paid equivalent to you? Would you like it? Would you like it, sister? You're smiling. You would say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, isn't it? Huh? <laughs> you would not like it one bit. Gavin, would you like it? You came at which time? Three o'clock. You will be very happy. <laughs> but you wouldn't like it. The people on this row would just not like it. Why? You would say, you're being unfair. Isn't it? That's what you would say. And throughout life, and I have seen it even with believers, most of them will say, have you heard this phrase? Have you heard the phrase? It's unfair. Have you heard that? I've heard it so often. And I've heard it so many times more from believers than unbelievers. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. It's so unfair. And we could go through our lives saying these words, it's unfair. We could go so many times through our life. Okay? Uh, now, let's look at this parable or the story. Was the owner of the vineyard fair? Was he unfair? Or was he more than fair? That's the question to ask. What was the landowner? Was he fair? Was he unfair? Or was he more than fair? What do you have to say? He was fair. He was more than fair. Okay. You all, are, you all attended the previous service? No? Okay. They told you on the way? No. Okay. My gosh, you stole away my thunder. Okay, but I will explain. The landowner was more than fair. If you will see, he told the workers whom he hired in the morning, I will pay you for a day's work one denarius. And he rightly paid them a denarius for a day. But for those that he... He actually paid them what they deserved. But for those that came later, he didn't base their wages on the basis of justice. 
he based the wages based on mercy. He gave them what they don't deserve. And there's a big difference between being paid for what you deserve and being paid for what you don't deserve. And being paid for what you don't deserve is the mercy of God. But being paid for what you deserve is the justice of God. Justice and mercy are not enemies. They go down the same road. They are sisters. But justice will only go up to that much and mercy will go much ahead of that because mercy goes far beyond justice. Amen? Everybody will get what is just in their lives on the day of judgment. But on that day, I will plead before God to be merciful with me and not give me what I deserve. Because if he gives me what I deserve, I don't think I will be ever able to stand in his presence. But I will plead with him, show mercy on me. And I will get what I don't deserve. Did you know that all of you who came here, including me, didn't deserve to come here? We all came here because of the mercy of God. What you don't deserve. What you don't deserve. If you received what you deserved, I don't think anybody would be sitting here. But God has been merciful to us. Hallelujah. And he has given us what we don't deserve. His mercy has come to us. And that is why today's topic is the mercy of God. Hallelujah. I'll give you an illustration about being fair and unfair. Uh, David Pawson was once got a call and it was from a local hospital. And the hospital uh, told him, we need a priest. David said, I'm not a priest, I'm a pastor, can I come? So he went to the hospital. He was taken to an old man. He sat in front of the old man and he says, what happened? What do you want to say? So the old man said, it's not fair. David looked at him and said, what's not fair? He says, I have been a good, upright person all my life. But it's not fair that I'm in hospital now. So David said, you've never been to hospital? He says, I have never been to hospital. So then David asked him, what's your age? He said, 94. Can you believe that? He is 94 and has never been to hospital. And he's saying it's not fair. David asked him, how many days will you be in hospital? He said, 10 days. 10 days, he's going to be in hospital for the first time in 94 years. And he's saying, it's not fair. And here he has all the pretty nurses taking care of him. Many of us would land up in hospital, you know, if it's free of cost and so many such beautiful people taking care of you. And he's saying it's not fair. But you know what? That's exactly what we do in our lives. We will always crib and say, it's not fair. Why did he get the promotion before me? 
Why is he having better marks more than mine? I studied more. Huh? Why did God take away my child? And people can be angry with God and say, God, you are not fair. And we do this all our lives. But God is saying, and every time he says, I am more than fair. Because I am giving you mercy, what you don't deserve. All of us are getting mercy, what we don't deserve. Hallelujah. Our city is a very sinful city. You agree with that? Or you don't agree with that? Yes or no? You all are very silent church. Very silent people. You all are in prayer or something or what is it? You all are praying that I finish fast and I go? No. <laughs> it's a, have mercy on me, Lord. <laughs> okay. We don't deserve the rains that God gives. We don't deserve the water that we get. We don't deserve the facilities that we have. But God has been merciful to us even though we are evil and he gives us the best. Isn't that very, very nice? I thank God for that. You know, I, um, I, have, I, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, for, every, for significant events in Venu's life, I've, I've had the privilege of being invited. And, you know, there's one thing that has struck my uh, attention when he shares one, one word in his life. And I've been really blessed by that. It is from 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 18. And he says these words. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, and this is what Vinu actually says for himself. And he says, who am I, sovereign Lord? If you remember, do you remember this word? And what is my family that you have brought me thus far? You remember these words? He says, what am I, Lord? And what was my family that you brought me thus far? That is nothing but acknowledging the mercy of God. I don't deserve it. You've just given it to me. Amen? Amen? That's wonderful. You know what? Uh, one more thing about the mercy of God. It is for God to decide whom he will give mercy to. If you are giving mercy to somebody, it's for you to decide whom to give mercy to. Have you given uh, alms to beggars? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yeah, you can be open. Yeah, you give. Uh, I'm not asking you to throw your monies here, okay? Uh, so don't be scared. Uh, what do you do when you give your money? You choose yourself to give the money. Yes or no? You decide, I will give the money. Correct? Anybody else decides for you? No. You decide yourself. The same with God. He decides whom he wants to give mercy to. Okay? There is a verse in the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Old and the New Testament, which says these words. It's in Romans chapter 9, verse 15, and in, and in Exodus chapter 9, 33, verse 19. It says these words, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Both the times it said the same thing. God is saying, I will decide. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It's my choice. I will choose. I will decide. Now, what is very important to understand in this verse is, how does he choose whom he will show mercy on? Is it that in the morning he wakes up and he sees, well, Mark's going to do a good job today. 
सो आई एम गोन टू हैव मर्सी ऑन मार्क और क्यूटी फॉर यू ही सेज वाओ दिस नाइस स्माइलिंग गर्ल इन चर्च आई एम गोन हैव मर्सी ऑन यू इज इट दैट वे और यू गोन बी अ गुड स्टूडेंट टूडे राइट सो आई हैव मर्सी ऑन यू और ही डिसाइड इज गोन हैव मर्सी ऑन यू टूडे Okay, you wear a great outfit and came. I love the girl. So come on, you're going to have mercy from God. Is that the way he decides? How does he decide whom he is going to show his mercy on? Is it by luck? Is it by chance? The Hebrew word for luck, by the way, is called gad. Have you heard the? You know, it's by gad. People say by gad. It means is by luck, by chance. But there's nothing called luck in the kingdom of God. Okay. Jesus never said to us good luck to you. Hope to see you in heaven. <laughs> did he ever do that? He never did that. There is nothing called luck or chance in the kingdom of God. But God has got some specific principles on the basis of which he will choose to show his mercy. And he has given it in his word. Would you like to know how or why? What is what is it? Do you like to know what are his on what basis he chooses would you like to know what basis he chooses yes or no yes. very good very good so i'll give it to you there are sorry what did i, did I say something wrong <laughs> there are three basis on which god will give his mercy the first god the all merciful and compassionate god he chooses to give his mercy to those who ask for his mercy hallelujah say lord have mercy on me a sinner you remember somebody said that which one was that the pharisee and the tax collector right the pharisee went to church i'm oh, sorry to the temple that time no church he went to the temple he'll pull me up later on huh? By the way if you want to know what mistakes i make you should come to amit ha huh? <laughs> he is the guy <laughs> i'm scared of him <laughs> i'm just joking amit's been very nice uh, so uh, sorry the pharisee and the tax collector the pharisee went to the temple he prayed out there watch his prayer lord i thank you look at the number of eyes huh? i thank you that i am not like other men i am not like the evil doers i am not a robber I am not even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. Look at the number of eyes. And Jesus said his prayer didn't even go beyond the top of the temple. He was praying to himself. When you pray to yourself you don't get answers for prayers, huh? You will never get answers for prayers when you pray to yourself. But the tax collector behind. Now please don't assume that all tax collectors are bad huh? they are not you need to understand tax collectors in the day of jesus okay for you to give you that example i'll tell you how it was i don't know if you been to poland has any of you been to poland in poland warsaw there are ghettos where you been there right there are ghettos out there in which a quarter of million jews were just uh, brought into a very small place in few buildings and lanes and then they were put on a train and sent to Treblinka to be turned into ashes. Okay, the Jews, and uh, uh, before the Nazis did that, this is what they did with the Jews. They they told some Jews they collected taxes from the people who were going to die. 
So they told the Jews, some of them, if you will collect this much amount of money from the Jews, we give it to us as taxes. If you collect above that, it's yours. So they used the Jews to collect taxes from the Jews who were dying. Can you believe they did that? They did that and the Jews took, took part in it. Some of those Jews. And they got the money out. And they gave to the Nazis and they kept some for themselves. It was the same in Jesus' day. The Romans didn't collect the taxes from the Jews. Who collected it? The Jews themselves collected it. They themselves went and took the monies which they wanted. It was like a protectionist racket or an extortionist racket. They took the money for themselves, how much they wanted. They gave whatever the Romans wanted. Over and above that, it was lining their pockets. It went into their pockets. Okay? That is why the tax collectors were hated by the, by the people. The Jews hated these tax collectors. They were Jews and they were just running them down. But this tax collector was different. He went to the temple one day and he prayed. And he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And guess what? God had mercy on him. Jesus says, he went home justified. Hallelujah. He went home justified. You don't seem to like the word justified, do you? I'll tell you what it is in the pigeon English version Bible of New Guinea. God, he say him all right. That's what it means. Which means the tax collector is now all right before God. No problem. All fine. Guess what? The tax collector goes home. His wife says, hey, you're home so early. You made all your money today. And he says, no, I didn't go to the tax office. Where did you go? You know, wives always want to know where you are. Isn't it? Am I right, Amit? <laughs> Sorry, Amit, I'm picking on today. <laughs> I'll come this side. <laughs> so, but the husbands are quiet, huh? So, <laughs> so wives always want to know. So, where were you? So I went to the temple. You went to the temple? Are you in your sane mind? What did you go and do out there? He says, I went and prayed. You prayed and God would hear a sinner like you? It's impossible. He says, No. He heard me and life's going to be different from today. He heard my prayer. I have received mercy and he was saved. That is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ask God for mercy for our sins and he is just and merciful to forgive us of our sins. Hallelujah. Amen. There was a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. Have you heard of him? And he turned to Jesus Christ. And he says, Lord, I will return four times more from the people I robbed. Isn't that beautiful? It's lovely. I, I so admire that story. Coming down now to the last century, I want to tell you this story. It's a wonderful story that I came to know. After the World War II was over, have you heard of, there is a place in Germany called Nuremberg. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. It was a famous, uh, it's a very famous place because the trial, trials were held for Nazi war criminals. Okay? And there were 
22 of them that were put on, on, on trial for war crimes that they had committed. One was tried in absentia, but the rest 21 were there. Okay? The 21 people who were put on trial out there were war criminals. Out of them, 16 were Lutherans and 5 were Catholic. So the, the Germans, the, the Allies gave them two things free of cost. One was a lawyer to, to fight for them. And second was a, a chaplain or a priest to take care of their souls. Out of the 16 Lutherans that were there, they got a, a person called Padre Gareka, who was a U.S. person but originally from Germany. They said, your folks came from Germany, you speak German, we need a Lutheran and he was a Lutheran. Can you come and take care of the souls of these 16 men? And these 16 men were responsible for almost 30 million people's being killed. Okay. 30 million people in the world were killed, including 6 million Jews in that. They were responsible for 30 million people being slaughtered, killed. Will you come and speak to them? Will you, will you take care of their souls? Padre Greca said, no, I will not. They killed two of my sons. I will not go there. But God spoke to Padre Greca and he says, you go and you share and so he went. He says, I didn't know what to do. He was put in a room with 16 war criminals looking at him. So he decided and he says, I will speak on what Jesus has done on the cross. And he told them that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. And one man from that, his name was Sotel or something, I forgot his name one minute, I'll tell you. His name was Fritz Sotel. He fell down on his knees and he says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And God forgave his sin. Hardened criminal. Killed about 30 million people. He just asked, God have mercy on me, a sinner. And he received forgiveness. There was another person called Joachim von Ribbentrop. He was found in his cell kneeling down and saying, God, please forgive me, a sinner. And he received forgiveness. One by one, out of the 16, one by one started giving their lives to Jesus Christ and saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they received forgiveness from God except two. One of them was a person called Hermann Goring, who was Hitler, who was supposed to succeed Rudolf, uh, Adolf Hitler. Just before the next day that he was to be hanged on the gallows, his wife and daughter came to meet him and his little girl told him, Daddy, give your life to Jesus. I want to see you in heaven again. But he pushed her out of his cell and he says, you follow your way and I will follow mine. And that night he took cyanide poison and he, and he committed suicide and he cheated the gallows. The second one was a person called Rudolf Hess who was a deputy leader of the Nazi party. He was given life imprisonment. He also rejected the mercy of God. He said, I don't want it. He also in life imprisonment, in, he was put in Spandau prison in Berlin. And from there they say the only light, the, bulb, the wire which brought the light to, the, to his room he took that wire and hanged himself and he died. 
But the rest of the 14, all of them, one by one, turn to Jesus and they say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God forgave every one of them. He had mercy on every one of them. Isn't that a wonderful story? There is this, I want to tell you this. Joachim Worm Ribbentrop was the first among the persons to be taken to the gallows to be hung. To be hung. And he said this, the punishment I am receiving is a just punishment for what I have done. He was to be hanged. He said it's a just punishment for what I have done. But he said these words before he was hung. He says, I trust in the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is the, is the words of, of, of this man. How do you feel about a story like this? It's true. Was God fair? Was he unfair? Or was he more than fair? He was more than fair. He was not giving them what they deserved. He was giving them mercy which is more than what they deserved. I mean, they just didn't deserve any mercy. But he was extending his mercy to them. Isn't that wonderful? There was one man called Wilhelm Keitel. David was speaking in a small group in, uh, in London and uh, there were about 15 people. And when he was saying the same story, there was one couple that got hysterical in the meeting. And they were crying, they were laughing, they didn't know what it was. Later on, David went to them and says, what did I say that made you, you know, that landed up in this sort of a hysteria in your, in your, in your life? He says, uh, a man called Wilhelm Keitel. He was the head of the armed forces of Hitler's army. He was my uncle, that lady said. After the war, we were hounded. We went to Australia, but they found out that Keitel was my uncle. They wouldn't have anything to do with us. We fled from there to Canada. There also they found out and they hounded us out. We've come to London and now they found us, found out and nobody will talk to us. But today I've heard this story that Wilhelm Keitel gave his life to Jesus Christ. She said, today if somebody will ask me, are you Keitel's niece? I will say, yes, I am. Amen. And Keitel is with Jesus in heaven. Will you be? Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can change the lives of people. Hallelujah. So the first one, as I explained to you, that you can receive mercy from God if you ask Him to have mercy on you. The second, you will receive mercy from God if you pass it on. You remember that verse in scripture, Matthew 5, 7? Blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. If you are merciful, you will receive mercy. Let's look at a parable which Jesus said for this. There was a king and one person owed him a hundred crore rupees. Okay? A hundred crore rupees. Okay? Is it that big amount, small amount? How big is it? Or is it a really huge amount? Hundred crores. Come on, if it, tell me loudly. It's huge. Okay. Really huge, isn't it? We, in all our lifetime to get something like that is very difficult. Possibly 
Dominic may have it or uh, Mark may have it, but uh, uh, we need to kidnap them for it and if we need it, but uh, let's say, but it's a huge amount, right? And he owed it to the king. And uh, uh, the king said, he was settling his accounts, he said, this guy owes me 100 crores, get the guy in. The guy came in and he says, I'm sorry, master, I, I'm not able to give you the money, please have mercy on me, I will pay it back. Uh, the king said, no, no, put this guy in jail, sell his family off and recover the money. He said, no, 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 please, please have mercy on me. And he pled with the king and the king says, you know what, I'll have mercy on you. I'll do better than what you asked. You're saying to postpone it, you'll pay it later. I'm saying I am forgiving you the entire debt. You owe me nothing. That's what the king told him. So the man was very happy. Then he went out of the church. Right, now I'll say it's church. And he sees one guy down the road and he owed him only 100 rupees. He says, give me my money back. The guy says, no, no, I don't have the money. I have to put for my son's tuitions. My daughter is going to this class. I needed to give the money out. Please, can you give me some time? I'll pay it to you next month. That fellow says, nothing doing. I am not taking, I am taking you to the cops right now. I want my money back. The other servants came to know that he did something like this. So they went and told the king, this is what he did. The king called that servant in. And what did he tell him? What did he tell him? You wicked servant. I forgave you your debt. Shouldn't you have had mercy and forgiven his debt? And then the king said, now the debt is back on. It's not gone. I put you into prison too and I'm selling off everything that you have to recover the money out. And then Jesus said these words. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This word is not for unbelievers. This word is for people who will come to church and read the Bible. It's talking to believers. Talking to people like us. Okay? If we don't forgive... What we were forgiven is back on. You think you're going to heaven now? Or you're going to hell? I'm being very straight and honest. We may be shocked when we come to the day of judgment. Because if we will not forgive, we will not receive forgiveness. This is the scripture. I am not saying anything beyond that. There was a young couple who came to David once and they said, uh, there are only two stories I will tell here. Uh, and they, they were a young couple. They were married for 18 months. And in that they had a small child. Okay, But the doctors saw the child and they says, there is a problem with this child. It won't live beyond five years. The young couple was so angry with God. They said, we were cursing God. We hated him. Why did you give us a child for only five years? And they were cursing God. They heard about forgiveness. And they said, we forgive God today. Not that God needed to be forgiven, but what they were doing was wrong. And they admitted what they did was wrong. And they said, God, we thank you for our little child. And we thank you that you've given our child for five years to us. 
we treasure that and we thank you for that. And they, they confessed their sin. They got forgiven. I don't know what happened to the child, but I think the mercies of God will go beyond and save people. I, I don't know what happened to the child because I don't know the next part of the story, but I can assure you, they were set free. I'll give you one story of people with unforgiveness. In my previous church, I was from Cornerstone Church. My senior pastor was Victor Afonso. He was a, he was a Jesuit priest for about 32 years. One of the very famous ones. Uh, when he came to Christ, he had an S-shaped spine and was healed. And he had a friend who was a priest called Jim. And he had, I think, cancer in his spine or something of that sort, which was very serious. And he was to, it was, he was to die. But Victor took him on a wheelchair to Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. I'm not sure if you heard of Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine Kuhlman's meeting. And you know how her meetings were. It would, this building is not sufficient. It will flow out and out for meters and hundreds of meters outside. It will be full. By the grace of God, miraculously, he was taken right to the front next to the stage. And Catherine Kuhlman came and met Victor. And then he, she allowed Victor to preach on the, on the stage. Victor preached. Everything happened. Numerous miracles happened out there. Victor says, I have not seen such miracles. What miracles of healings and deliverance of what not was happening. And, but Jim on the wheelchair is still the same. She never calls his name. The meeting got over. And Victor said, I am sorry Jim. I came for you. I didn't know she will call me on top. But as he was saying that and Catherine was leaving, Catherine turned around. And she looked at Victor and he said, Victor, take him with you to India to preach the gospel. When she said that, he was picked up from where you are sitting, sir. Picked up and thrown several feet on the floor, flat, slain in the spirit. And Victor was lifted and thrown flat on top of him. When Victor came to his senses and got up, he says, if his bones are not already broken by my fall on him, he will surely be broken. He got up. And after some time, Jim got up. Uh, Father Jim, by the way. Father Jim. He got up. Perfectly healed. Hallelujah. Perfectly healed. Victor packed up his bags to come to India. And he says, Jim, you remember Catherine told us to go to India? But Father Jim had some problems with the Catholic Church. He could not forgive. He had hurts inside. He could not forgive them. He said, no, no, Victor, you go to India, I'll stay here. It's okay. They were in the US at that time when this happened. You go to India, I'll stay here. And he had these hurts inside. He didn't want to forgive. He didn't want. Victor said, pleaded with him, please come, Jim, please come. Catherine told us to go by the Lord. And he didn't accept. He stayed back. Victor came to India, started the first charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church in India. Almost a year later, he got a call from Jim from the US. Jim told him these words. Victor, I've got cancer of another part in my body. And very soon, Jim died. He died. Unforgiveness led to disobeying God's word and ultimately led to his death. Unforgiveness can cripple your spirit, brothers and sisters. It will cripple your spirit. It will cripple your body. You will be filled with resentment, hatred, bitterness. And it is horrible to have that in our lives. 
I request all of you, forgive as you are forgiven. Amen? Amen. How will you receive mercy from God? If you give mercy out. So the first one was, ask God for mercy, you will receive it. Two is, if you pass it on, you will receive mercy. And third, a very, very important thing is, uh, is you should not exploit the mercy of God. For this, I will take you to an, to an incident in Jesus' life. You remember the lady caught in adultery was brought to Jesus Christ? Yeah? It was John chapter 8. Yeah? She was caught in adultery. She was brought to Jesus Christ. And uh, I think that's the one mistake that those guys made. They brought to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, by the way, is a very good lawyer. huh? In case you are in trouble, please take his help. He's an exceptional lawyer. And he got this lady off the hook just using the Jewish law by itself. It was class. Extremely class. And I, I find him to be phenomenally good. Uh, or exceptionally good, I must say. Uh, this is what Jesus did. They brought the lady to him. So Jesus did a couple of things. First, he told, he didn't pass any judgment. You know why? He was waiting for them to uh, and asking that question. You caught them in the act of adultery, right? If you caught them in the act of adultery, there have to be two people in that. Yes or no? The man and the woman. They had only brought a woman. Where was the man? Both have to be stoned, not one. So Jesus was waiting for them to come out with the answer. Where is the other guy gone? Get the guy. Jesus didn't give any decision. Then he stood up and he said these words, which is very important for you to know. What did he say? If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone. Now, we need to be very careful with this verse. This doesn't mean any sin, okay? Otherwise, you know, the younger ones are looking at their parents or fathers and mothers and saying, now you can't correct me, huh? because you also sinned. <laughs> but that's not the way. Otherwise, police can't do their job, isn't it? Jesus is not saying that. The word that Jesus uses, and it's only once used in that verse out there in John chapter 8, verse 7 is, a word called anamartitos, which is a Greek word which means, if anybody among you is not guilty of the same sin. Let him be the first to throw the stone. Which means under Jewish law, if you have committed adultery, you cannot be a witness to somebody else who has committed adultery. When Jesus passed this comment, obviously the older guys understood fatafat. They ran away. Younger fellows, you know how they are, na? Dekega kya karta hai. Huh? All these young bats sitting out there. Yeah? <laughs> Jacob ran away first. Sorry, huh? Jacob. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that way. I didn't mean that way, Jacob. I'm very sorry. I didn't mean that. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Jacob, please forgive me, huh? Jacob. I didn't mean that way. I'm very sorry. I, I, ex- extremely sorry, huh? <laughs> I said something by mistake. Very sorry. Uh, I just make fun with Jacob, so I just pass the comment. But I'm very extremely sorry. But the younger ones also moved away. And nobody was left. Then, uh, Jesus as a good Jew could only do one thing. Guess what? He asked the lady, where are the... Is no one there? He said, no sir, no one is there. Everybody is gone. As a good Jew, Jesus could only do one thing. What did he do? 
he said case dismissed closed why there are no witnesses if you have to put somebody stone somebody for adultery you have to have witnesses two or three nobody is there jesus is not saying i'm forgiving you jesus is not saying i'm giving you salvation jesus is only saying case is closed because there are no witnesses that's what he said but then jesus says something after that which is very important he says go and leave your life of sin because earlier jesus said i am not condemning you because i was i am not a witness to this but i am telling you one thing go and leave your life of sin which meant that this lady was living in sin it was not a one night stand but she was living in adultery continuously that's why jesus said that verse but i really wonder after 6 months if they caught that lady in adultery again and brought to jesus what would jesus say let me ask you what would jesus say let me answer that we don't know because not given in the bible na but one thing we can say one thing we can say that she would be exploiting the mercy of god isn't that because he forgave her but she exploited it now let us look at an example we all are going for a picnic to mud island and there are strict instructions from amit and mark that uh, no going into the sea because they are dangerous waters okay and uh, but you know what and amit and mark and dominic their front row these strong men they walk down the beach to see everybody in living hope should be fine huh? and so as they are walking suddenly they hear somebody shouting for help and they turn and they see somebody is drowning and he saying help me help me i am drowning i can't i can't swim so amit quickly removes his clothes and jumps in you're a great swimmer right you don't know to swim okay they're wrong <laughs> wrong example <laughs> dominic you can swim right but you also can't swim <laughs> अरे तू तो ओके सो सो लेट्स पुट इट नाउ दैट वीनू इज नॉट देर विल पुट इट ऑन वीनू चलो वीनू जम्प्स इनटू द सी नाउ गॉड बाय द टाइम ही कम्स नेक्स्ट वीक एटलीस्ट लेट हिम लर्न स्विमिंग सो ही वीनू जम्प्स इन गोज एंड गेट्स द गाय रेस्क्यूज हिम एंड कम ब्रिंग्स हिम आउट ऑफ दर एंड देन यू नो गेट्स हिम टू सेंस ही सेज आई एम सो थैंकफुल टू यू वीनू यू एक्चुअली हेल्प मी यू सेव माई लाइफ Venus says be careful ah huh? don't go back in because these waters are dangerous and then you know julie comes with towel and her clean clothes and all that dry clothes and you know julie is just looking at venus what a great guy you are and all those things you know venus also surprised my gosh julie is looking at me with these eyes don't tell him all that ah huh? <laughs> and you know whatever uh, and hardly does he start putting his clothes on and all that and then suddenly he has again shouts for help me help me i'm drowning i can't swim i'm drowning vinu turns around and looks are same guy jumped into the water again so again he goes he removes his clothes out again he jumps into the water and he goes and rescues him and bring that he gets him back to his senses i'm doubly thankful to you okay so vinu says uh, great but don't do this again okay please don't go in and now again he puts another set of clothes i don't know how many julie carried but uh, 
but um, he rescues, uh, he puts on his clothes and suddenly he hears, again the guy has gone and jumped in man and he's drowning. He's shouting out again. What would Vinu do? How many times will he jump in? 70 times 7? <laughs> what do you say? Suitcase full of clothes. Okay. I don't think he will try it beyond the second time. He will tell that man, I don't think you want to live. <laughs> now you laughed at this story. You laughed at this story. But this story is not about that man. This story is you and me. How many times we got into a mess? And how many times God pulled us out of it? Isn't it? Jesus saved us. He rescued us. How many times? But again we go into the same sin. Again we do the same thing. God's mercy is not for people who exploit it. Don't think he's the God who forgives forever and ever. Amen. He is not the God who forgives forever and ever. Don't think we have a blank check of forgiveness. We can do what we want and we will sign a check and say, it's we are forgiven. Don't test the patience of God. His patience can run out. He is not the God who forgives forever and ever. I don't want to ever test that. Don't ever test it. His patience can run out. He saves us so that we are set free from sin. And so we sin no more. That's why he saved you. So today, brothers and sisters, we can receive mercy from God if we ask him for mercy. We can receive mercy from God if we pass on mercy. And we will receive mercy from God if we will not exploit or take advantage of his mercy. Yeah? With that, I close. But as I will close, let us pray. Yeah? Let's all come to the Lord. Close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to minister to your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to touch you. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you in your life what is hindering His mercy in your life. Ask Him to be, to probe you. And I request you, brothers and sisters, if you need mercy for your life, ask the Lord, have mercy on me. If you have not forgiven someone, it could be your family, it could be your friend, it could be your boss, it could be your colleagues in office, it could be anybody. Just forgive them. If you have received forgiveness from the Lord and you've been exploiting it, and doing whatever you felt like, sinning at will, against His mercy, I ask you to, to repent of that and turn to God and sin no more. I don't want it to be a, don't make it a, for this moment only, I ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to probe into your heart and your life continuously from today, from now. Come before Him and ask Him to touch you. Ask Him to reveal to you. And as He reveals to you, confess your sin to Him and ask Him for His mercy. He is a merciful and compassionate God. 
He is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Ask him for his mercy, brothers and sisters, and he will have mercy on you. He is a God whose mercies are new every morning. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Otherwise, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. But he treats us with mercy. So I ask you, brothers and sisters, ask for his mercy. Pass on his mercy. And do not exploit his mercy, brothers and sisters. I ask this from you, Lord, for all of us, that we would take serious note of your word, Lord. We would take serious note of our life, Lord, and we would get them in line with your word. And we pray that our lives would be changed and useful for your kingdom. I pray that we will walk in your ways and receive mercy from you. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you for a patient word. Thank you.